So I think people are sort of like, do you know what? It's easier to masturbate than to have to go through this whole sifting yeah. of online dating or putting up with drunk people and then getting a dud experience. It's so stigmatized. People get very, very afraid. What if, what if the people down at my club or in my bank discover what we're doing at home? If you can't advocate for how your body works, think of the limitation of pleasure there and what's going to be happening. You are on FBI Radio 94.5. It's just hitting 19 past 11, and it is time for Let's Talk About Sex, which is a segment in the show where I am joined by registered sexologist Tanya, who's going to be chatting with me this week about whether young people are having less sex now. So there are a lot of stats about how much sex that young people are having, but it doesn't all quite align very well. So a lot of people say, oh, you know, young people today aren't having as much sex, but is that true? So there are a couple of studies from a while ago, and there's been heaps of discussion since. Everyone's posting reasons why, but there are heaps of things that might be contributing to that. So, Tanya, would you like to... Good morning, by the way. How are you? Good morning. How was your Mardi Gras? Uh, my my Mardi Gras was epic, and we're a little bit little bit fuzzy today, but all good. And this is our first segment back in the year. So True, really I'm happy really to be a part that. of it. Yeah. Happy to chat about these sorts of things. I think it's super important to be able to have open conversations about sex, especially for young people. And so it's really awesome yeah. to be a part of it. So Great. they've been saying heaps. I've been hearing a lot of it as well that young people are having less sex. So is there anything behind this? Like, are there reasons for this? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because people are like, oh, what do you mean young people are having less sex? There's so much uh, information out there nowadays and and lots of stuff about sex is much more readily available. But there are a lot of reasons why, despite all this information about sex and despite the availability, it's still difficult. And there's an inordinate amount of pressure on young folk today, I think, so things like looking at porn, right? Mm. A lot of people use porn as sex education, which in I think in itself, that's very problematic. So they feel after looking at porn that they have to look and behave in certain ways. Mm. Uh, and in the last 18 years of practicing sex therapy, I've seen a huge rise in anxiety in young mm. people. It's, and what's absolutely glorious about this is it's not unusual for me to get phone calls from the parents of young men calling and asking me for appointments with their sons because their sons are so worried about not being able to perform, uh, being spoken about at school. Yeah, right. A lot of people are worried about having a bad hookup and then everybody talking about it and being like mad at sex. And that stuff really fuels performance anxiety and anxiety around sex in general. I was going to say, was when you were saying about porn, would you say that that's something that's directly linked to like masturbation happening more perhaps readily that's detracting from sex or is it purely from watching it and having, you know, this false idea that what they do must reflect what they're seeing online? Uh, I think people understand masturbation. The interesting thing is, is that there's so much more information out there now about pleasure and what's okay and, and consent and all that sort of stuff. So that people are, and people are also much more aware of what bad sex is. Yeah. It's no longer something that you tolerate. So people can give themselves sexual pleasure themselves. So mm. masturbation's always been there. Porn is a great masturbation aid or tool. It doesn't have to be present for that. 
But um, yeah, so I think people are sort of like, do you know what? It's easier to masturbate than to have to go through this whole sifting yeah. of online dating or putting up with drunk people and then getting a dud experience or something that leaves them wanting or not feeling very good about themselves. A lot of young folk are finding it easier to just sort themselves out and not have to worry so much. Yeah, about true. That. And does that mm -hmm. also impact then if you're in a long-term versus like a short-term relationship as well? Yeah, we've had chats on the show before about the orgasm gap, you know, and there's been studies that have been much discussed now about hookup sex and the, the fact that, I, oh, I can't remember now, I think it's 90, 95% of men, this is a heterosexual study, 95% of men in hookup sex will have an orgasm versus 65% of straight men. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually they worked out it was 87% uh, of gay men and 86% of gay women. So. Oh, wow. That's a really big gap. And that that the the possibility of women having orgasms during sex increases. So they, they get a much better chance the longer they are in relationship with somebody. Mm. So it really speaks to ideas and attitudes about what's going on in hookup sex as well, doesn't it? And and I read some of the quotes in the study and I was horrified because people were saying, Oh, I don't care about my partner's orgasm, I'm just there for me. Mm. They were so straight up front about it. So and then the longer people are in relationship, the more people care about them. All of a sudden we're getting, I care about my partner's pleasure and people, and people get to know each other's bodies a little better. So, yeah, I think this, this sort of expectation that people are going to have mind blowing sex during hookup sex is interesting at best. Yeah. Right. It's That's not a guarantee. Yeah. That's really awesome. I think that I want to continue this. I want to throw to a song in the meantime, <laughs> because I, I really feel like this is something that we can unpack here. This one is from our album of the week. This is Nolifa Yanya with The Mystic. And if you have any questions that you want to throw to Tanya as well about hookups, about sex, please jump on the text line 0409945945. This is The Mystic. You're on FBI 94.5. our album of the week Nala Fayanya with The Mystic you are on FBI Radio 94.5 my name is Rini and I'm filling in for the fabulous Maya on mornings this morning and at the moment we've got a segment called Let's Talk About Sex and I'm joined by Tanya via Zoom and we're having a chat about whether young people are having less sex nowadays what are the reasons for that and how does that link into our relationships? How can we improve on how things are going? So I got we got some really supportive texts coming through, which is awesome. But we also had a specific question who's coming from an anonymous texter that says, my long-term partner wants to cross-dress in bed, but I'm not into it. I'm not sure what to do. I'm a woman and he's a man or possibly gender fluid. We want to be monogamous and together forever. How do I approach things? So we were actually chatting about in the break, funny enough, about changing things in the bedroom to help keep passion 
going in the relationship because that is such a driving factor when it comes to like you know physical connection and things like that so Mm -hmm. yeah when it I think that maybe to link it to a broader thing like how would you say is a good idea to like go about you know setting boundaries or even experimenting with different things in the bedroom yeah well cross-dressing is an interesting one because it can really uh it's a a difficult thing for people to bring up because Mm. a lot of assumptions are made around cross-dressing around people's gender and around their sexual orientation for some folks cross-dressing can just be something that's naughty and taboo and it really turns them on yeah um, it could be a core erotic theme because uh, I know lots of lots of people might have, for example, the first time they masturbated, they might have been lying on top of the washing and felt mum's nylons, you know, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. That's imprinted into what they're doing and their sexuality. So yeah. it's a lot of shadow stuff that's below that can come up in sexual fantasies. But partners don't understand this and partners start to think, wait a second, do you want to be with a woman? Do you want to be a woman? Um, Mm -hmm. There was a comment there about whether they they weren't sure about their partner's gender. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Yeah. Okay. So it would be being a little curious about that. And then regardless of gender, it's about being curious about your partner and how they feel and what they're interested in. Uh, So I would bring some curiosity to that. What does cross-dressing mean? How does that make you feel? I do know that sometimes things don't work for people, right? Yeah. So it may not work for the person who's texted in. And I'm sorry that it's really difficult for you because this is an extremely nuanced situation. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many ideas and questions. But I would be sitting with my partner and saying, okay, what what does this do for you? Is this exciting? Is this part of your gender expression? Is this part of orientation? Yeah. The things for me that are scary are X, Y, Z, what I'm worried about. Mm. Um, I think and maybe yeah, you get a bit better understanding of what it means to them. Yeah, for sure. I think that's quite interesting because I think we were chatting a little, we're also chatting in the break a little bit about like how psychology links into it as well because that's something I'm kind of passionate about. And I think that the idea about like a sexual consciousness is quite important and how that sort of is imprinted. So whether I think that when you have something like a, like a kink or something that you're sexually interested in that's either underlying from a place of sometimes like danger or feelings of like naughtiness versus something that is like a feeling of attraction for in its like more, you know, uh, straightforward form. So I think that that would be something really interesting, like you said, about having something naughty. So maybe it's like the danger of something taboo element is what is the turn on rather than the specific act of the gender expression, but I feel like, yeah, open conversation. There can be. And I think with sex too, it's so stigmatized. People get very, very afraid. What if, what if the people down at my club or in my bank discover what we're doing at home? Mm. They really are afraid of that. And uh, I get it. It's a sort of form of anxiety of like, whoa, wait a second. This is something new for me. What if other people find out? Because you might find that your partner um, dresses that way and becomes extremely aroused, acts in a different way. You guys have really great sex. Fantastic. Um, who needs to know about that? You don't yeah. have to go and tell everybody. It's like, this is what we do. It's our private life and that sort of thing. Well, but it's getting over that fear and that shame and that stigma that's attached to it as well. Oh, for sure. So, like, well, I mean, we live in a in a climate at the moment where uh, sex is way more accessible than it ever has been before and people are allowed to be more free in terms of their expression and that's something that's definitely becoming less taboo in a leaps and bounds kind of way like do you do you think that this is 
a good thing? Like, is is there more to come or are there limits to, you know, what we can sort of do? Oh, wow. I think that there is so much more to come. I think they're out there, there's some people that are doing a really great job with sex education, but it surprises me that in this day and age of digital information and information accessibility, how little people know about pleasure and particularly the anatomy and arousal for folk with vulvas and how little time we we devote to sexual play and warm-up. There's so much learning to do. You know, in the circles that I move in, we talk about this stuff all the time. So it actually boggles my mind when I meet very educated and switched on folk, particularly young people who do not know how their own bodies work. So if, if you can't advocate for how your body works and if your partner doesn't understand how your body works, Think of the limitation of pleasure there and what's going to be happening. Oh, for sure. And I was going to say, like, as well, I suppose there's different definitions of sex as well, because you were saying about, like, foreplay and things like that. So I suppose that in... I wonder if that's actually a link to when they say people are having less sex, like what they're actually defining as sex, because that is changing as well. So... Do you think that that means that people are actually having less sex or do you think that just what their definition of it has changed maybe? Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. I think the question that, that, that we were discussing on this is um, 40% of people aged 18 to 24 are reporting that they're not having sex, but I'm wondering what they're defining sex as. Because sure. for me, it's all sexual activity. And I think for a lot of people, sex is defined as intercourse or something penetrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's kissing, touching, it's genital touch, it's massage, it's oral sex. All of these things are sex. So I think if we went to those 40% of people again and asked them more specific questions about their sexual activity, uh, I think that number might fall a little. Mm. For sure. So like, mm. So you're saying it's not like less sex, so to say. It's just more like how does the research define it then? This is people saying they've never had sex. So they were the the um, forty percent of young Australians in twenty nineteen, aged eighteen to twenty four, were saying they'd never had sex, and that's almost double from uh, twenty years before. Mm. So that was a big statistic for people to have a look at. I think um, there's more teaching on consent going on, and yep. young women in particular are a lot more mindful of their bodies and their feeling less pressured and I think also people are understanding the importance uh, and and pleasure in masturbation so they know that they can do things for themselves sure. so there's a little less pressure uh, to go out and get laid so to speak but then again I speak to a lot of high school students and there's a lot of pressure to lose their virginity or to have sex with certain people to keep their social standing mm. and so that can be a lot of sex that's pressured or what I call doesn't pass the sunlight test. Like you wake up the next day and go, mm, I really wish that didn't happen. Right. And there's a ton of that. Research that I've read is that 45% of people who lost their virginity were drunk or under the influence of drugs. Oh, wow. Uh, and there can't be consent there. So this, mm. there's, there's a lot more that we need to be doing out there in society to change that. Yeah, uh, and for just sure. Put the pressure off people and to let people understand that some of these things... They might not seem it at the time, but they can be completely traumatising for people or impact them. So they may have a situation like that in their teens and then not have sex again until their mid to late 20s because it's been horrific or scary or not what they wanted or they don't trust themselves. 
Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing about like anxiety in the bedroom, things like that, and also the pressures that lead to that. I want to continue that point. But I'm going to throw to a song. I'm loving the really supportive texts that have been coming in, though. If you have any more questions for Tanya, um, you know, she's an expert and is really great at being able to have these open conversations. And we are obviously very non-judgmental as well. So you can chuck us a text on 0409-945-945. And I'm going to slow that down so you can make sure you get the number. That's 0409-945-945. This is Grove with Skin to Skin. This is Let's Talk About Sex on Monday mornings. You're on FBI 94.5 on FBI Radio 94.5. It is 20 to 12 on your Monday morning. My name's Rainy, filling in on mornings and we're doing the segment Let's Talk About Sex at the moment. I'm joined by Tanya, who's a sexologist at the moment in the studio and we're chatting about whether young people are having less sex. What are the reasons for this and how does that link to our current relationships? How does this link to our lives? So I think that what we're having a really interesting conversation about, especially in the break, was it talking about pressure on people to have sex, especially more early on. And there are a lot of contributing factors that sort of want to push people in one direction or stop them. Like, I know that there's a lot of technology going on as well, especially during the pandemic. How has that impacted people's sexual relationships? Um, all right. So we've got a couple of things there. We do have good chats in the break. <laughs> Um, one was the pressure of high school age folks mm. that are that are being sort of they feel like they've got to have sex, got to get their virginity over and done with, mm. or there's the social group pressure of you should get with that person or you should do that certain thing. So a lot of those things don't pass what I call the sunlight test the next day. So people can wake up and go, oh, I really wish I didn't do that. And people don't understand exactly how traumatic that can be. It might take a little while for that to sink in or people realizing, geez, you know, that wasn't that consensual. So people might have sex very young uh, in at high school, exploring, experimenting, feeling a little pressured. And then I meet a lot of people who haven't had sex until their mid twenties or early thirties since those experiences, because right. they didn't fly. So yeah. I, th I think nowadays it's good because we're getting a lot more information on consent, but it's nowhere near as much as we need. The other half of that question was, uh, yeah, technology. I think, and I've read that dating's really being pushed online. And personally, I don't think that's a great thing mm. because now that the stigma has been taken out of dating apps, everybody is on there. It's like picking up a magazine and flicking through it. <laughs> Whereas in, back in the day where people thought you were weird for being on a dating app, the folks who were on there really wanted to meet somebody. So you had a, a bigger cohort of people who really wanted to have a relationship and meet folk. Tinder even refers to using its app as playing Tinder. Right? Wow. It's not about going on there and meeting up people. So the anonymity of that allows for very poor behavior, very, mm. very poor. I've had time on and dating apps for people, their opening line has been super inappropriate. And I've said, you know, would you walk up to somebody in a pub and say that? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, what are you doing that here for? This is a real mm -hmm. human being and you need to pay attention. And they're like, oh, 
I haven't really thought about it that way. Yeah. So sure. we're not educating people. They're not bringing their manners to the game. There's a whole bunch of things. And I'm meeting more and more young people, all genders, who are having dating app fatigue. You know, they've had one after another after another of bad experiences. Mm-hmm. So I think I read recently that one commentator said dating apps are really only useful for highly photogenic people. Maybe <laughs> that's correct. It's so superficial. You, you're literally yeah. just going on a photo and just going that's, yes, no. Like it's, so, it's something read. so strange about that. Read things. Yeah, I've had profiles out there and I'm like, wow, you didn't read any of that, did you? You just looked at a picture and went, whoa. Right. So it's very two-dimensional and it's very easy to judge and discard people. Real life meetings give you a much better sense of the person and their energy. And really, it's not a beauty competition. You really want to look at yourself if you're rating people like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as well, I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, there are all these different apps for different like purposes as well. You know, there's always, but they're always trying to brand themselves that way. So there's like Tinder where it's meant to be like the hookup app and then Bumble was meant to be the better version of that. Then that's sort of gone to the hookup direction as well. And then, I mean, I shouldn't... It's all (laughs) hookup. I mean, I shouldn't actually be speaking. I met my partner on Hinge, funny enough. But we... (laughs) But we, we sort of had like mutual friends. Like we sort of had indirectly known each other in real life. So I think that changed things, but it was such a weird climate to be in, especially during the pandemic being like, I meant to read a couple of words and look at a picture and see if I like someone. Like that's such a different thing to the real world. And it's so two dimensional, isn't it? And I mean, I mean, that would actually definitely uh, impact your approach to dating in general, right? That you, you're you used to just looking at someone at face value and then making a judgment about that person. That that would impact real life interactions as well, right? It does. And some people are very superficial. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that look at the media that that's putting out there that you, you can't be successful unless you're this weight or this size or this curvy or have this colored hair. Mm. This always comes back to, you know, I talk a lot about the politics of pleasure. We have a system that is full. We have a, stru- a system that's full of structural oppression, and basically, it means that we are oppressing people on the basis of their bodies, whether it's the genitals they have, skin color they have, their sexual orientation, their size, their weight, their shape. All these things are designed to keep the people who benefit from the patriarchy in power and at the top and making money. Yep, that's so true. And then, so, like, how do you think that? that links to like demographic as well like do you think that young people are just having less sex and then that'll mean that into adulthood that that changes as well or is it like across the board everyone's having just like less sex oh yeah I think well I don't know I think I think the people the people that want to have sex are out there learning about themselves and understanding it I think time and busyness tiredness and busyness are the enemy of people's great sex lives in long-term relationships Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what age you are so if you're not prioritizing sex and you're not making time for it because people say to me oh I don't want to schedule sex in my diary that's really boring and not spontaneous and I'm like yeah but you know you schedule in your diary going for a beer after work and going to the theater on the weekend or Mm -hmm. taking the kids to soccer so if you're not putting sex in there, where will the time be? Because you don't have time to be spontaneous. Yeah, and there's sure. far less spontaneous sex had in long-term relationships. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple of types of desire. Uh, there's spontaneous desire, which we see in the movies, that, that burning in the loins, I really want to jump on top <laughs> of you. Great lusty desire. It's so good. 
but a lot more sex is had in a responsive way where somebody's like, hey, you're looking pretty cute today. And you may not have been thinking about sex, but you can respond and go, you know what? This is a good idea. Mm. So it's more like a decision or a response than it is about waiting for that tingling in the loins. That's not the only kind of desire you can have. I feel like that'll that'll pass the sunlight test then, to use your words. <laughs> certainly will. So, certainly will. So like just to wrap up, are there things that we can do personally that will help us have like when we say more sex i think that what we should rephrase that as like more pleasurable experiences Mm. with partners and are there things that are on the increase that you think that young people are doing which are good that we should continue or practice in our own lives yeah i think that there's a lot more teaching out there now on pleasure and i really want to encourage folk if you're looking for information about sex Go for the folks, the teachers that teach you about pleasure. One Mm. message I always put out there is that all bodies are capable of having pleasure. Mm. I get really perplexed when I sit across from beautiful young humans who say to me, oh, my God, if only I lose two or three kilos, I'll then be able to have sex. I'm like, it doesn't matter what shape or size you are. You are capable of having pleasure. right? So we, we need to look at how we're presenting and what we're expecting. And I think, you know, people are paying a lot more attention to consent. Um, Consent is an inside job. You first need to know yourself and how you're feeling. Is this okay? What do I want? And that's a really difficult question for lots of people. They don't understand or know what they want. So having a little think about that is going to help you make better decisions. The better you know yourself, the better informed decisions you can make. And it's totally okay to not know who you are or what you like sexually. Spend a bit of time on that and work it out. Yeah, for sure. I love that, like ending on that note of like prompting introspection and having everyone, (laughs) you know, spend some time on themselves. I I absolutely love that message. Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning, Tanya. Your insights have been incredible. And I hope that everyone's learned something that they can incorporate into their own lives or maybe discovered something new about themselves that they a chat they want to have with a partner or a change in approach to hookup culture so we're going to keep the show rolling on through this is a brand new track the self-titled what's off the titled record from hatchy giving the world away absolutely amazing artist from brisbane my name's Rini, and you are on fbi radio 94.5